I'm trying. I'm trying. It's not like I'm not trying, Brohensky. I'm trying hard. Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Naham Kligman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to episode number 51 of the From Entrepreneur. And today I have an incredible, incredible fine guest. You like that, huh? An incredible fine guest for our Purim episode. I have the one and only, the greatest living Jewish entertainer of our lifetime, Michael Fine, as aka Mike Fine. Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. I think all your fans and sponsors already tuned us out, so it's just you and me now. <laughs> That's fine. You know what? I could talk to you all day, and I'm super excited about this because, first of all, we have a couple of things in common besides the fact that we're both men, besides the fact that we're both Jews, but the way I came across you is that we both went to a very special yeshiva. Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, which one, Brisk? Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, the Vey. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I, <laughs> I, I went to the Vey. Yes, a uh, great yeshiva, fine yeshiva. Re- re- remind me, uh, wh- 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 where is that again? That's in Telstone in, in Israel. You were there for like a year or two years or? Yeah, two years. Yes, yes, yes. It's coming back to me it's now. Yes. Uh, what, wonder, what a wonderful uh, yeshiva. Wonderful, wonderful place. It was. It was really an amazing place. Nevetio and Nintelstone. And, and so we were both uh, quasi-honored at the pe- pre- this past dinner they just had about a week ago or so. And I saw – and they put out a video. So I saw the video and I, and I kept seeing – I'm just telling my audience. like I just kept seeing this guy came on the video – and I was just laughing hysterically. I just thought he was the funniest guy in the world. I'm like, who is this Mike Fine guy? And so, like, you know, funny, we we're fa- Facebook friends already, probably because I just Facebook everybody that looks Jewish on Facebook. And now I have 5,000 friends, so you're bound to be one of them. But I looked at your uh, your LinkedIn page, and, and you really are a comedian. Like, that's what you do. You're a stand-up comedian. Yeah, well, if if you if the LinkedIn page says it, then I guess it's true. I guess that's not fake news. I guess it's it's legit. I should also put down I'm a six foot one, blonde hair, blue eyes, and uh, I'm ready to settle down and get married. And uh, maybe I'd start getting read some uh, appropriate shidduchim. But uh, yes, thank you so much uh, for the kind words. I I, I was uh, I guess you could say discovered at a. Uh, at the yeshiva dinner for an abe on the, the video montage, those things generally tend to be a nightmare. They, right. they go on for like uh, what feels like hours, and no one uh, really seems to watch them. So I figured, hey, if no one's going to watch it, you know, I may as well uh, do whatever I want to do there. And uh, so it came out really well. I, I, I made a deal with the Rush Yeshiva, the, the Mosh, uh, Rabbi Blumenfeld. I said, listen, I don't want to do this. It's bad enough I'm getting honored. I have to reach out to all my friends and solicit ads and all this stuff. Right. I, I don't want to be in the video. He said, you have to be in the video. So long story short, I told the mosh, I said, listen, I promise I will keep my pants on for the video. And that's it. That's all. Then you have to let me do whatever I want. He said, uh, he said, make a netter. You're going to keep your pants on. I said, yes, I'll keep them on. He said, the entire time, I said, uh, I'll do my best. And he said, we promise, I promised, and uh, he, then the rest he left up to me. So, Well, it, it was really brilliant. I, you were at the dinner itself? Yes, I was at the dinner. It was a really, it, it really brought tears to my eyes. It was so beautiful. I, I could not stop uh, bawling. The, the way they set up the schmorg, they had the, the shawarma <laughs> right there when you walked in. And, uh-huh. and, uh, but, you see, what's interesting, they, they cut up these small little pitas to, to put the shawarma in, but I ripped the waffle off. I think it was actually part of the display, and I put together my own shawarma and everything. It was really momish beautiful. Because in the, in the past years, they would just have like these little food trays coming around with maybe like the, the cocktail franks you get in Costco. But here, they actually had a very nice spread Red Kapanash really uh, went nice. I, I can't even imagine. It must have been at least like uh, almost $30 a head that cost them uh, for each of us. But it was beautiful. It was mama's beautiful. Yeah, I heard it was, it, was, it was one of the most successful dinners in years. And I'm sure that's largely due to you being one of the honorees and, 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 and you're uh, coming to the dinner. 
I, I think it was all because of me. The, the, this year, I think uh, we had about 67 honorees. And <laughs> out of all the honorees, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it's, it's the MSN. You know, I'm not going to lie. But uh, I, out of all the people getting honored, I think I probably deserved it the most out of anybody uh, uh, getting honored. I, I, I really... Uh, truly represent what the, the yeshiva stands for, what it's all about. And uh, I, I love Kavod, and uh, I love to pursue Kavod, and, and I love Smorgasbord. So it, it really combined uh, two of my biggest passions, and I, I showed up uh, strong. I mean, I mean, it's amazing to say, I mean, being most deserving, I, I definitely hear you're up there. I mean, but, you know, you have people like Rav David Slavin Shlita, who was honored at this dinner, and I know it's probably close, he's probably a close second to you. I assume. Definitely top five. Definitely, Definitely top five. Top five. Yeah, listen, there are a lot of great uh, people and uh, other honorees, and I'm, I'm not trying to knock them or, or put them uh, down, uh, but at the end of the day, there's one person that really stood out uh, the most, and uh, that was me because uh, I had to overcome uh, so many uh, obstacles in my life uh, to get to where I am today, and and even still, I'm, I'm growing as a person, an individual, a human being, and, and as a Jew. And for, for what I was able to do and how I showed up, uh, it, it was momish beautiful. And yes, I, I was the most deserving. Yeah, even more so than I'm going to go on a limb and say Judge Ritholtz, who is also one of the guest of honors. Yeah, he was. I think um, they, they built him as the main guest of honor. I mean, I don't know if there was a slight to you or if it was a mistake in the printing. If you, look, there's always mix-ups. I'm not. I'm not looking to point fingers or, or blame or anything. But uh, I think we all know who uh, the star of, uh, of the dinner was. When Judge Ritholtz comes on your podcast, that then we could ascertain as to who the real star was. That's so. true. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> all right. So let's 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 backtrack. First of all, when did you go to Neve? I went to Neve in. Uh, the years 2000, 2001, and then it went back again, 2003, 2004. Very nice. Okay, so let's. Uh, so I was there in 90, 91, 92, 93, part of 94. So I oh, was wow. there. Yeah, I, I was there for like three and a half years. I really, I, I just, I just couldn't leave. I just love the place. Yeah, wow. yeah. That's a lot of learning. <laughs> Halavai. That's what I was, I was doing. I was the cook there actually for uh, for a year and a half also. Oh but wow. I, that's another story. That's one of my entrepreneurial endeavors. But um, so let me ask something. Let's let's go a little bit back. Um, where, uh, where? So first of all, where were you born? Where did you get raised? Or uh, I was I was born in uh, Queens, New York, and uh, I uh, grew up there. And then uh, I I made my journey to uh, to Israel eighteen years later. So it's uh, yeah. What happened? I mean, you were born in Queens, raised in Queens. Yeah, but between uh, the time I was born in Queens and the time I went to Israel, there's like a, a, a big empty chunk of my life that, uh, you know, have trouble uh, recalling. You know, it comes back to me in bits and pieces, but I'll do my best to uh, put it uh, together for you. Right, well, did you you went to yeshiva? You went to school? Where? Yeah, I I, I went to many different uh, yeshivas. Uh, it, it was difficult. It was, like a, it was like a smorgasbord of yeshivas you tried out. Oh yeah. Oh yes, I had so much difficulty uh, because when you excel, uh, you know, at all these different places, it's you're no longer challenged. So I, I felt, and uh, as well as the yeshivas, uh, felt it was time for me to move on uh, and I would go from place to place to place uh, because it's, it's like playing a Nintendo game. You beat the Mario Brothers, it's time to move on to, to the next thing. So uh, every yeshiva I tend to have that problem with. It's, uh, I would just excel and uh, have such a beautiful relationship with the administrations, the teachers, the other right. kids, faculties that uh, they felt it would be best. Uh, I'm not being challenged here, and then I would move on. I, I started at the Teferis Moshe, and that lasted about, a, I would say, the whole year, which was actually pretty impressive. Then I, that, <laughs> well, was that, that, was kin- that was kindergarten, right, everyone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. My my mother still remembers uh, getting phone calls. She would get phone calls all the time, uh, you know, uh, wishing her, you know, like a uh, – 
you know, uh, giving from Menachem Abel because uh, I come in with excuses about how my father died, my grandfather died, my grandma. Everyone was dying in the family. It was such a tragic family because, like, uh, like I wouldn't show up or I'd get out of stuff or whatever. I, you know, I had a, a, a problem uh, with, with them there. They asked me to, to leave. And then I went to YCQ, and uh, that I lasted four years over there, which was... Uh, oh, that's pretty good. Know, yeah, for four years isn't uh, isn't bad. You know, that's shabby. Uh, yeah, for four four years I did Yeshiva Central Queens. Uh, then it was time for me to move on after uh, the fourth grade. Uh, I I felt uh, I I uh, you know I fulfilled whatever I needed to fulfill there. I you know my my uh, journey was done, and it was time for me to move on to Yeshiva Torah Chaim at South Shore. It's uh, so it was nice. time for. The, yeah, oh, beautiful. I actually love that place. That was a wonderful yeshiva, Rabbi Kamenetsky, uh, Rabbi Hertzberg. Uh, they learned so much from me over there, and uh, Baruch Hashem, they're still uh, learning and growing and recovering from my time there. <laughs> so that's, are we, in, are we in high school yet, or we're still in grade school? Oh, oh high school, that's where, that's where the fun really begins. <laughs> I found with most guys that went to Nevada, you really didn't start to live till you hit the, you know, your freshman year for the first time. So that, that yeah, I, I went to, I was in the Patak program at the MTA. That hey, I was in MTA Patak. Oh, you were in the Patak program? Yeah, I was there for about six months till I got kicked out. Oh, you got kicked out. Oh, I want to hear about this. So yeah, the, <laughs> the Patak program, do you want to explain? Uh, to, so to Patak is for, is for uh, parents uh, and teachers, uh, was it for, for almost all children, I used to call it. All children. Yeah, I used to call that, almost that, all children. That's a nice way of saying for high-functioning individuals. That's uh, exactly. It, it, it's like one step above. Uh, I don't know, high lifeline or whatever. <laughs> it, it's like a high-functioning kids. It's it, it's like if you could spell your name, it's like you're already at the head of the class over there. So right. it, it it turns out I was there for ninth, tenth, and eleventh grade. And, oh, you lasted uh, way longer going, than I did. Oh well, yeah, that's yeah, only six months. But I got kicked out uh, my senior year. They they were um, actually asked to leave. I believe is the right word. You know, with the assistance <laughs> of Burn Security. But what, why did you get kicked out? Oh uh, wow! Uh, well, um, I don't know, that's with too much cabana. Yeah, that's what. Now, truth is, I um, I there was a bunch of things. Um, but I don't want to get into too great of detail because I've you know thousands of listeners all around the world who probably has no interest in hearing about my personal life story and challenges. Um, but uh, I think the the main thing that I got kicked out for was I cut school one day, went into the city with a couple of friends, and uh, I got busted. And yeah. um, I didn't they didn't like that too much. And I guess that was on top of a few other things. But um, whatever, yeah. you know that was that was all in the past. And I mean, truth is, that I went to JC for two years before that. Oh, okay. But I, I, I was sort of asked to leave there as well. Oh, well, I, it, it's actually funny. I could tell you, the, the only time I ever had to sue uh, someone uh, in small claims court uh, for a performance or an agent, it was involved with uh, something connected uh, to those people over there. But uh, we're not going to mention anyone's names on uh, radio. So. No, no, definitely not. Not on this podcast. This is the From Entrepreneur. Oh, okay, okay, okay. We, if we have the other okay. podcast, the, the, the Non From Entrepreneur podcast, um, that's where we, we go into those type of details. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> so maybe maybe you'll come back and be on, on the Non From Entrepreneur podcast. Oh, <laughs> okay, is this only from people listening? Um, I do have a couple of guys out of Tijuana that for some reason they're really into this. I don't know why. But, oh, beautiful. Uh, yeah, so I, I, they could be from, I'm not sure exactly. But I would say the large majority are from people. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Uh, let's hope they, they'll st- stay from after uh, listening to this. And, I... and, and, and in case uh, your listeners don't realize at this point yet, you invited me on to show you what can happen to to their kids if they go off the derech. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I was brought here. They're never going to complain about yeshiva tuitions again after listening to me for uh, God knows how long over there. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> Now, the, the, there's no better way to bring, uh, you know, Jews back to Judaism than uh, sh- uh, sh- uh, featuring me on uh, your show over there, showing them uh, what can happen. Right. This is what happens if you don't take school seriously or if the school yeah. doesn't take you seriously. Of course. 
<laughs> All right, so let's go. So we're okay. So we're in high school. We're in high school yet? We got. We got. Yeah, high school? I, I got kicked out of senior year of high school. Uh, MPA. And then what happened? Oh, okay. Uh, I, I it, it was a long story with them, but the, the short of it was is that uh, no other school would take me as a result of uh, getting kicked out of my senior year. Never wow, touched what a bug in my life. What I was a very wealthy. Yeah, it, it was crazy. It's. Uh, I can't you know, believe I, people we, weren't lining up. Well, it's you know I, you, you, that's the MS, right? That's uh, you, you would think, you know. But yeah. it, it turns it turns out that the you know I went to uh, Neve. Uh, they came around, they scouted me out, and it's, it's like, how many schools were you kicked out of? Uh, four, <laughs> four. Okay, I guess you know it's, uh, we'll make the exception. We'll let you win. It's usually five's the cutoff, but uh, so it, so it turns out I went there, and uh, the rest is history. Amazing. So, first of all, when did this? Let's get into the the comedy stuff because I, I'm really interested in, in that um, and how that works in terms of the business aspects. Obviously, because it's still an entrepreneurial show. Um, yeah. Obviously, we could talk, you know, probably for hours about our Neve experiences and stuff. But I want to keep this, um, you know, uh, yeah, no, interesting to uh, more than just uh, our fellow Neve guys. But um, so, so comedy. Were you always? I, I assume that you were the wise the wise guy in class and that probably got you into a lot of trouble through the years. But when did you say, Hey, I, I want to maybe do this as a business. It, it, by, by the way, it's actually very interesting. Uh, well, first of all, I, I was uh, born uh, with this brilliant uh, talent, with this tremendous talent I have. I, I really excel at what I do. Don't let this podcast fool you. I'm very good <laughs> at, the, at this. Uh, it, it, believe it or not, the comedy actually helped me survive uh, in yeshiva and in school as a result of my ability to make the teachers laugh. They knew I had no capacity whatsoever to pass a single test. But they would allow me to write jokes at, like, the bottom of the test because, uh, you know, just to show some sort of effort. And the teachers would actually give me, like, a, a 10 or a 20 as opposed to, like, a zero. That, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so, like, it would encourage me. And then when I was 16 years old, I went to a – I paid a shiva call to a, uh, a rabbi uh, from, uh, from elementary school. And it was very awkward that uh, no one was talking, and I didn't realize that you're supposed to wait for the person sitting shiva to initiate the conversation. So uh, a, a comic, the, the worst thing that they hate the most is the silence. So I took it as an opportunity to start you know, making some jokes and entertaining <laughs> to try and uplift the guy. So yeah. I'm cracking this guy up and everyone in the entire shiva house and uh, unintentionally. And then a short while after that, it was my great-grandmother passed away. And uh, they needed someone to talk at the at the Levaya, and none of uh, the grandkids or anybody really wanted to talk. They were all nervous. So uh, my grandfather said, "Go up there." I talked, and same thing, just on the spot, uh, cracking jokes. Uh, but yet at the same time, uh, you know, uh, he he thought it was very empathetic. Was able to connect and relate. It wasn't just uh, making people laugh. And he said, "Whatever I do in life, just make sure it involves public speaking." And uh, you're going to go far. So. So, so you were never really uh, stage uh, stage shy? I am petrified to this day to get up on stage. I'm scared to get out of bed in the morning. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm scared of, like, uh, of, you know, getting a phone call. I'm scared of technology. But, you know, I, I overcome uh, the fears, you know, where I try to manage it and, you know, the best that I could. And at, at the end of the day, if there's no fear, there's no excitement. You know, I, I love uh, being able to challenge myself and, and overcome those fears, you know. Well, I mean, you, you, the, the, the scarier the, the audience, the scarier the situation, the the more uh, excitement, the more challenging. They, they, Jerry Seinfeld had a line, and just because you were talking about Leviathans and speaking at them, he said that more people, what is it? They're they're scared of speaking publicly than they are um, of death itself. Of death itself, right? So that like, yeah. the people that speak at the at the Leviathan would rather be in the coffin. Oh, 100%. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, if, if you ever perform for an Orthodox crowd, that is like actually being in the coffin. That's like <laughs> truly, that's like, uh, that's like truly a chesed shalemis. That's like, you know, you, you, you can't, uh, you can't even imagine how difficult, uh, it's, it's the hardest crowds in the world to, 
you know, to do uh, for the Orthodox. I'm, I'm not saying that in a, uh, dis- well, yeah, I am saying that in a, uh, a disparaging <laughs> way. But, but, at, the, but at, at the same time, though, it, it's the most challenging, and uh, I love the challenge. And, no, if you, uh, if, you, I, if you could go to a, a Leviah where there's full of Orthodox people and crack the place up, you are good. Yeah. yeah. You are good. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, I, I I like to think. Yeah, I am very good. I'm very I'm very talented. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten honored if, if if I wasn't good at what I do. That's but, true. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, perform, performing for those types of crowds or any type of crowd for that matter, just to get up on stage. Uh, last night uh, I was performing here in the city at a club called Dangerfield, and uh, right right until the the host called me up on stage. I was petrified, not sure what I'm going to say, what am I going to do, will they like me, will they not like me. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. But, but you, you know, uh, confidence comes from, like, knowing your material, knowing your stuff is, uh, is funny. And I know my material is good. I know everything I, you know, I write, I believe, is good. It's been tested before. But, you know, you can have the best material in the world, and if the audience does not like you, uh, it's not going to. You can't sell the stuff there. They're not going to buy it. So it, it's it's really you're scared about. Are they going to like you as the performer uh, more so than the material? At least the you know that's how I uh, look at it. So when did you start actually performing actual stand up? What age did you did you start doing that? So, so when I came back from uh, Israel, uh, college wasn't for well, no school was for me really. So. <laughs> So I, I, I did one semester of KKK, Kingsborough Community College, and uh, and uh, that didn't go over too well. Okay. <laughs> so uh, there was a, a very uh, – there was a, there's a currently a famous comedian now by the name of Lisa Lampanelli, and before she started, uh, you know, making a big, she gave a course at the Learning Annex, which is a six-week course how to break into comedy. So mm-hmm. I remembered what my grandfather said. Uh, about, you know, doing something with public speaking. And I figured, you know what, I'll give it a try. And uh, lo and behold, she, the teacher told me, uh, she said, you got the gift. If, if for nothing else, you, you have the voice for comedy. So she said, uh, you know, pr- pursue it. And, and, you know, I kept on pursuing it. A uh, hundred times I wanted to, to quit the, the profession. But Wait, this, so this is, this is your, actually your real voice? Yeah, this is my real. You, you, who would fake a voice like this? I, a comedian. Yeah, it's not like disparaging. Are you, no, are you, no, no. God forbid. This is the From Entrepreneur Podcast. We don't disparage here. I, I sound like uh, Leaper Schmelzer uh, on here. You know, look at this. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever, uh, done a duet with him? I actually just recently did, uh, performed with Lipa. It, it was my uh, dream to always perform with, with uh, Lipa, and now I could die uh, tomorrow. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I, and I, I performed with him uh, last Sunday night for uh, Lepore Extravaganza at the Westside Institutional Synagogue, and uh, you know we collaborated on a, on a nigan together, and it was a huge success. Beautiful, beautiful. So you've been so you've really been doing stand up for about ten years now, or so. No, uh, for longer, longer fifteen, sixteen. About, uh, yeah, about fifteen, sixteen years, and uh, you know, I, on top of the performing, I uh, have the opportunity to start writing for a lot of people, a lot of celebrities, a lot of other performers before they go on television uh, or radio or live performances. I work with politicians, companies, uh, you know, uh, a lot of ad agencies. I've worked for. Yeah. Feel free to feel free to drop some names. Like, what what have been some of your ex, your experiences with people uh, my audience would have heard of? So, like, I've written. I was a staff writer for like a lot of the Friar the Friars Club roasts for like Quentin Tarantino, uh, Boomer Sison, Padma Lakshmi, Ricky Schroeder, Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I, I wrote. You know, not only uh, jokes that you know some of them have used, but a lot of the celebrity get, uh, guests on the, the dais have uh, used like Samuel L. Jackson was there, Jeffrey Ross, a, a lot of uh, Sarah Silverman, you know, there were a lot of celebrities on these things and, uh, you know, some of them used them and some of them didn't. But uh, So actually, how does it work? I was always interested, like if you're doing writing, so do you actually get paid per joke or, 
you know, if it's used, do you sit in a room with other writers and discuss, like, do you get a, how does it work? Someone, someone's, they're doing a roasting, they call you up and they say, hey, Mike, come down, we're having a meeting. And then you just guys, like, how does it work? Do you just start writing together? Do you just uh, submit stuff? So a lot of times, uh, once they figure out who they're going to be uh, roasting, uh, they have uh, the the person getting roasted is, I guess, as you could say, the honoree, and then you have uh, the roast master, the host. So on top of the, those two, you'll have let's say twenty people on the dais. So once they figure out uh, who on the dais is actually going to get up and speak. Um, either one of the individuals uh, could reach out to me that are going to be performing performing that need help, or in those specific cases, like I'd be uh, on a retainer to write for whoever needs material. Like the Friars Club reached out to me and said we're we're having a roast for so and so, and there's these twelve people that need assistance, so I'd write jokes for whomever they needed assistance. But then there there were instances where someone approached me on the side and said I need a little extra help, or could you work with me specifically? And I would do that as well. So and you help train them on the delivery as well. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it's actually interesting. It's uh, uh, a lot of um, like you can't teach someone to be a performer, or you know, to teach them like cadence or timing. You know, that's that's usually uh, comes with years and years of practice, or you could have that natural ability. So you know, a, a lot of times I you know teach them certain techniques on you know uh, where to pause, how to punctuate a joke. Uh, how to, you know, if, if the joke doesn't go over well, how to, you know, look for something to, to add on or, or, you know, some something to to extract the laugh if the thing backfires on you. So, mm-hmm. like, there, there, there's a lot of technical stuff that you are able to, to teach people or that could help aid them uh, if they don't have natural abilities. And you said that they, you get paid on, you get, you put on a retainer. So is that like, they hire you for a month and they just pay you for the month or they, how does it work in terms of the business side of things? Just, uh, you know, in case an audience wants to ever become a stand-up comedian, it's just very interesting to know how does the business side of things work? It's, 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 so, it, so for every case, it's, it's, uh, it's different. You know, like here, here's a perfect example for like a roast. Uh, I had an agent reach out to me and said, uh, a, a big CEO of a, of a bank is, his son is getting bar mitzvahed, and they wanted to do something special for his bar mitzvah. So they figured we're going to throw him a roast. A 13-year-old boy, they're throwing <laughs> a roast. They have absolutely no concept of what a roast is. <laughs> this poor boy, Neva. Oh, my his, gosh. His two siblings, his brother that got bar mitzvah two years ago, they flew in the entire United Manchester professional soccer team and they paid like six Nick players to show up to walk around and schmooze with this kid. And this poor kid gets Mike Fine to roast him in their duplex <laughs> apartment. <laughs> you, you, you could tell who's not the favorite kid. So, so what's up happening? The agent, the agent, of course, wants to make his money and says, "Oh, I have this great comedian, this great writer. Oh, he could write a customized roast for for your son in like two days, no problem." <laughs> So, so it turns out, like, like when working with like celebrities or these other performers, normally you get five weeks, six weeks, and you know you have many different drafts. They could take the material, they could try it out, and you know, in a club perhaps. But you know, so for this certain scenario, you know, on top of being a performer, uh, you know, which I get X amount, then you have, uh, you know, like yeah, uh, you didn't you didn't mention what X amount was. You you missed over that. Yeah, because it uh, it varies, you know, it varies significantly depending on when, where, for whom, uh, you know, because how much preparation is involved. If you want me to show up on a Tuesday at 2 p.m. to perform at a corporate event versus, you know, on a weekend. Uh, right. but so, so for this poor kid for, for the bar mitzvah, they have me show up to this this uh, duplex uh, penthouse apartment. It's like a $30, $40 million apartment. They have me waiting in their PlayStation room until they finish dinner over there. And I'm going (laughs) over material that I spent literally the past 48 hours uh, writing material. I didn't even eat a single thing. While I was walking over to to this gig, I I didn't eat in two days. I started chewing an apple. I didn't even have enough energy to swallow. Like, that's Uh how... 
drained I was. So oh, basically, uh, the, the point I'm trying to say is that when they pay me to show up and perform, it's not that you're just showing up for a half hour, 45 minutes to perform. The, the amount of preparation, work, and everything involved with it is uh, is, is insane. You know? right. and, and there's also very few comedians that are capable of, one day I could be performing in a biker rally in South Dakota, and then the next day I could be performing for a bunch of Hasidim in uh, Muncie, you know, for, right. for like the B&H holiday party, basically. And you want to make sure that you don't you don't cross your material between the two. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and, and, and it's also very uh, tailored. No, there's nothing worse than, you know, you, you see a comedian in one one venue and then he goes to another venue and does the exact same thing word for word verbatim. It's, it's uh, you know... Well, the, isn't that the, how the, all the big guys do it? I mean, yeah, you know, when when you go on a... The big guys, you know, when they go on a tour, whether it's Seinfeld or, you know, yeah. Robin Williams back in the day, they, I would assume the material is 90... Well, actually, Robin Williams, he, he was just genius. He probably, he probably just came up with his <laughs> new show like an hour before. But... Uh, you know, I would assume they have a routine that's ninety percent the same, whatever city they're performing in. Yeah, for, for for the most part, yeah, they're very strict. They stick to that script, and you know, it works for them. Also, a lot of them have, uh, you know, uh, writers helping them out. But when you make it big, you, you know, you have people like me, uh, you know, assisting or hired to, uh, you know, send you in jokes if if you're going to. You know, like I just recently had someone say they were going on television. Uh, they were doing like a morning news show and they sent me over like some jokes they were going to be doing about the elections. And uh, they asked me if I could help punch them up. So for something like that, you know, is different than if, uh, you know, the, I'm the actual performer going out there to perform original material versus if I'm uh, going to be giving it to someone else to perform. What do, you, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to write or do you prefer to perform yourself? Uh, they, they both uh, have their rewards and challenges. It's actually interesting. As a, as a writer, uh, the stakes I find to be a lot higher uh, because when you know I write a joke and I go out there and perform it, you know, I live and die by it. If it doesn't go over well, okay, I, you know, it, it's on me. But right. if you write a joke and someone goes out there and it bombs, it's like <laughs> really awkward. To, it's like it's your fault that that other person's experiencing pain. So a, a lot of people tend to be more selective. Uh, generally, I've seen this with writers. They're more selective and they'll keep like the better stuff for themselves. But yet they'll give something that they, it could go over well or possibly not. They, they'll give that out to, to other people, and you know the other person could live or die by it. So it's uh, I'm like the opposite. I'm actually even more conservative and more sensitive with the the material I'll give out to other people, just because it's uh, so. So in that aspect, I actually enjoy that because the the stakes are higher, and it's. Uh, you know, watching someone else up there doing it. You know, right? And I guess you get a lot of you get a lot of hana seeing someone uh, perform and getting an, an awesome uh, reaction to it. There, to, there's to no better. It's it, you know, I don't have uh, any kids. You know, but you know, it's like <laughs> the same thing. You know, like if you have a kid out there and they you know perform or sit apart, you get pleasure out watching. You know, that's your creation, that's your offspring, and it's the same thing with jokes. They're all your little babies and. You know, to see someone else derive pleasure and benefit from that, it's uh, no better feeling in the world. You know, but when I actually go out and do the joke and perform, it, it's great. It's, it's very one-dimensional, though. It's, uh, you know, you get the laugh and then bam, you're on to the, the next joke. But something very tailor-specific for a person, you know, or, or you know, like a sketch video I write uh, for someone or... You know, they, they use it for their marketing campaign, and it goes over lines. It hit. I, I love it. You know. So, what was one of your biggest performances that you've done to date? Uh, the Nevade dinner. Yeah. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> video montage dinner. That was my. That was it. That was pe- uh, that was that was peaking. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I peaked it. Well, yeah, I guess you could say I peaked. It's all downhill from here. I'm on your podcast, right? What next? Am I going to be in like Yeshiva World News, like, uh, you know, commenting on, uh, you know, like uh, people uh, see them getting arrested or something? Right. No, uh, 
what was my greatest uh, that's a great question I, well i just recently did a perform uh, a tribute performance for a very dear friend of mine max alexander a brilliant brilliant comedian whose brother coincidentally was a neve alumni uh, Rabbi uh, Dreilich, who uh, was one of the honorees this year, and huh. he, uh, yeah, is a rabbi at the SAR Yeshiva in Riverdale. So his brother Max, uh, a phenomenal performer, tremendous entertainer, and uh, he passed away uh, just recently. Wow. And uh, we did a tribute uh, for him by the Friars Club last week, and uh, a, lo- a lot of big name talent came out, and uh, Elaine Boozler, Judy Gold. Uh, you know, uh, Julio Iglesias sent in a clip, Judd Apatow, a lot of uh, other celebrities sent in stuff, and Margaret. And, uh, you know, it, it was a beautiful event. And, uh, you know, so it was moving, it was funny, and it was very warm and just a very special, uh, you know. Very nice. What about the, the uh, like, what's your your dream job? Like, what do you, do you want to get into late night shows? Do you want to write for the late night shows? Or you know what's uh... my 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 dream job would no, my, my 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 dream job? It's a good question. It, you know, I I enjoy uh, writing. I'd love to have a couple of uh, television shows. There are a couple of TV projects uh, I'm working on right now, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just uh, launching uh, my own television uh, projects, producing them, starring in them, and uh, yeah, that's what I really enjoy. Really enjoy working with my friends and uh, making people laugh, and actually uh, trying to keep the humor uh, relatively clean. There's a there's a shortage of good clean humor uh, right. today, so it's uh, you know people tell me I have that old Borscht Belt style delivery. Uh, you know uh, those guys were like my idols, Shecky Green. You know who I'm friendly with, and uh, you know Milton Berle. You know the Don Rickles, Red Buttons. Uh, those guys uh, were legends. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, clean humor. I mean, I think Seinfeld is is pretty clean as as they get, and it's yeah. amazing. So you don't have to you don't have to be you know speak from Tuma to to be a funny person to have a you know to have quality writing. And it, maybe it's a little more challenging, but it just you know shows your skill set better. It, well, well it, it, one of the things uh, I teach, uh, I, I actually uh, coach and tutor um, a lot of aspiring comedians and writers at all different levels, whether it's beginners to advanced uh, uh, people I work with, uh, performers. But one of the things I actually tell them, it's completely the opposite. It's easier to write clean humor than uh, than the uh, you know dirty stuff and reason being it's like you know I guess there's a musser in it but like when you put a fence around what you will what areas you will not go into it's sort of like a guidebook it's it's a path people's minds tend to generally go into the the gutter so the first thing they're going to think about is going towards you know the the prust you know the inappropriate matters, subject matters. So when right off the bat, I tell them, you are not going into that area. You are working within this space. Uh, it, it actually helps them uh, become more hyper-focused, uh, you know, in, in developing stuff without having to, to go into that area. Interesting, interesting. Who are some of your, your uh, I guess, well, you mentioned a few people that you looked up to. Um, but Rabbi like? Schwab, Rabbi Blumenfeld, <laughs> Rabbi Price. Yeah. <laughs> well, who, who are some of the people that, that you would like? Who is like you would love to open up for, or have opened up well, for you? I should say. Uh, <laughs> well, my fa- my favorites are those old Borschfeld guys, Shecky Green. I love. I had the pleasure of working with him. Well, not working with him, seeing him work a couple of times. Uh, Freddie Roman, Stewie Stone, Dick Capri, Mousy Lawrence. Uh, th- these guys could could work any room on the, the planet. You know, the Jackie Mason. You know, these guys are fearless. You know, the, no one even comes close to them. A lot of these younger comedians today, they're they're very spoiled and pampered. You know, the only venues they're able to work are you know like a, a nightclub in the the city. You, you throw them into you know like a corporate show or a private party or you know, a Simcha or wherever, a Sheva Brachot in the Midwood, you know, the, they'll die like animals. It's, it's you know, the, 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 they're not able to be flexible or, or adapt. And if you're truly a funny person like these, you know, the, these people from uh, yesterday, 
you know, the, they're able to adapt to any environment. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, who who's like the person you've you that you've uh, actually been on stage with that you admire the most? Uh, Elaine Boozler is is one. She's a phenomenal uh, uh, comedian. She's also the first female comedian to uh, you know uh, have her own uh, Showtime specials. It, you know uh, she she really uh, kicked the door open for uh, female performers. Uh, so I don't know if we should hold that against her, but uh, you know she, she you know she she's absolutely brilliant. I had the pleasure of working with her. My friend uh, Max Alexander that recently passed away. Uh, to be able to share the stage with someone like him, a, a true master of his craft, and uh, also worked very, very clean and, you know, just a brilliant at his timing and uh, just uh, beautiful. Yeah, well, also Mickey Freeman, who is uh, the, one of the stars of uh, Sergeant Bilko's show, a uh, phenomenal performer and entertainer, and as well as an actor. Professor Erwin Corey, who just passed away, who is a dear friend, 102 years old, uh, wow. brilliant former and uh, also legendary uh, it, the guy was performing for uh, probably close to 80 years you know. wow yeah it's uh, it's amazing and uh, pat cooper is another one i have the pleasure of working with so many wonderful uh, I, i've been truly blessed in in that area so but again i'm still stuck doing uh, temple the gigs for uh, 50 miserable people it's uh, uh I guess it's. I, I, I love performing at the temples. I love performing. <laughs> the, the, the Jewish audiences are actually uh, the best, especially the Orthodox. You know, because they, they, they're, they're always so nice and so warm and, and giving. They, they always complain about you know it's uh, you, you know what the, you're not getting paid enough. Here, take more money. Here, have more money. They'll never hustle with you. They, they, they'll never want to you know try and cheat you out of money. Here, you here, take more money. You're not getting paid enough. Uh, an hour, you know what? The, do a half hour. Do a half hour. Don't want to get home too late, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're always looking. They're always looking after your best interest. Oh, I, I just did a private party, which is actually a lot of fun. I uh, I got right. You, you know the Jewish singer uh, El Schwabel? Yeah, sure. A phenomenal singer, beautiful voice. We just uh, started doing some shtick together. So he uh, he recommended me for a uh, 60th birthday party at the Prime Grill uh, two weeks ago on a Friday night. You know, they have the small private room for 10 people. I performed at a Shabbos dinner. Oh, wow. Yeah, for 10 people. And so I supposed to do like uh, 25 minutes. I brought a very funny comedian friend of mine, uh, Steve Marshall, and showed up uh, 25 minutes after about an hour and 15 minutes uh, they were ready to close up. So it was so much fun. You know. Oh wow! Yeah, that was, it was great, beautiful. I never performed that uh, shops uh, shops. <laughs> so beautiful. So where where do you live now? You still live in Queens? Uh, Upper West Side of uh, Manhattan. Upper West Side. So th- so I mean, how hard is it to to reach a level in your profession where it actually pays the bills, where you don't need like a, a day job? <laughs> you could you could be a lawyer today and you still can't uh, pay the bills. Uh, oh my gosh! That's true. You, you, being a comedian, paying the you know what's crazy? You could be Jerry Seinfeld worth yeah. a billion dollars. You're worth a billion dollars. Your show's in syndication. You're worth a billion dollars, and people will still come up to him and be like, "So, new what else do you do?" You know? seriously. <laughs> like seriously like what, what's your fallback job do you, do you have anything else to fall back on seriously <laughs> when, when it's like you, you talk to italians you tell them you're a comedian it's like oh well, well where you're performing next that's great you tell a jew you're a comedian it's like so seriously could you make a living you know, that, that, that's, you know that, that's the difference you know <laughs> it's, uh, it's i knew we were going to get there uh, at, at what point uh, could you make a living could, could you I, I, so I you make a living. I, I could have four. I could be a, a brain surgeon and a engineer and a God knows what else. Right? I still will, probably won't be able to pay yeshiva tuitions. <laughs> uh, what, what, make a living? Thank God that's uh, you know I, I've been able to uh, build a name uh, for myself uh, in the business and uh, starting to get the uh, consistent uh, bookings in uh, the areas I'm looking for. And uh, it, it took me a, a long time because it's, uh, you know, I, 
I worked mostly as a performer before and then uh, mostly as a writer. And now I combine the two and uh, been writing uh, a lot for myself and tailored stuff for for corporate events and private stuff and doing consulting. And uh, within the past two or three years, I was really able to carve out that specialty of of, uh, of being able to really tailor an act for any specific client. That, that there is so few of us uh, that are able to to do that. That uh, thankfully I'm able to to stand out now and uh, get business. So. Excellent, excellent. Now you say you told me also that you learn every day. Does does you find that learning um, uh, actually helps you with your spiel's? Uh, learning actually hurts you. It's the absolute worst thing you could ever do. <laughs> learning the biggest mistake, but I still. Oh now, no! Now, uh, uh, le- learning actually does uh, does help. But well, when people work for themselves uh, and you're an independent contractor, one of uh, the most challenging things is to how to organize your time and find structure to your day and uh, give yourself a set seder. So uh, about a year ago, I you know I. You know, I was working crazy hours uh, throughout the day, and I was feeling very burnt out, and there wasn't enough uh, time for myself. So I just needed a breather, and uh, coincidentally, I started learning in the West Side Kolel uh, with the Rabbi Melman of uh, Ohav Shalom, and we have a uh, set seder with the, you know, there's one other buffer in uh, the shear. He'd probably not want me to mention his name because he's on the market, you know, but, Oh yeah, no, I hear that. Yes, so I don't want to hurt his chances, but right. great. You can message me afterwards if you want details. Uh, he's a learner and an earner, but uh, but it turns out that it, the, the learning actually gave me some structure. And coincidentally, the second I started learning, uh, the way the Yitzhahara works is all the opportunities in the world start pouring. <laughs> The second you say, I'm not going to perform on Shabbos, okay, we have this audition for late-night television this Friday night. There's no no better way to get big bookings or move ahead in the business than to say, you know what, I'm going to keep 100% Shabbos now. I'm going to be Shabbos. Yeah, that's exactly how things work. Right. So basically, uh, um, you see a lot of Goyim with Gemaras nowadays, you know, Opening them up, hoping to get more uh, comedic business. Gamaras. Well, you said you know once you open up the Gamara, once you start learning, then all the oh, opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Get. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. well, well, you, it, 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 exactly. There's no better way. I'm, I'm telling you that the second I started learning, all the opportunities in the world start uh, start showing up. Uh, I, I, there are so many of those opportunities. I uh, like literally lost track. I, I remember, well, like one one instance was is that I got offered to do like a, a corporate booking on a Friday night. And in theory, I'd be able to walk there, but there's a microphone, so you're dealing with Marisayan, and well, well, you're getting paid for your preparation before all this stuff. It <laughs> probably could have been kosher, but I said, you know what? I, I said I'm not going to do it. I'm doing my best. Whatever, I'm going to be a good boy about it. Fine. Lo and behold, two days later, I get an offer on my property. I have a couple of properties still up in Connecticut. I got I got an offer to purchase a house I didn't even have on the market, and the purchaser is willing to pay full price for the house. It, you know, wow. because he needs it for his basement outgrew. They have a steeple, this and that. So all of a sudden, I'm killing myself worrying about how I just lost out on this, uh, you know, corporate gig. I'm trying to do the right thing. You know, how am I going to pay the bills and all that? And lo and behold, they get an offer on the house. Amazing, amazing. That, well, yeah, that's well, how Shem well, works, well, you know? Well, well, yeah, because the house didn't close, the contract fell through, and now I lost the tenant, so that's... Wouldn't that be a great story if that really happened? You know, I'm actually thinking about telling people now that uh, I'm a convert, because that seems to be, like, very trendy, you know, speaking <laughs> But like you always see these speakers coming on the on the scene about how you know very inspiring how they you know I was a former priest and a Buddhist monk and all this stuff and I gave it up and now you know I went to Asia Torah and all of a sudden now I have fourteen kids and I'm 
making uh, serious banks speaking on gateway Shabbatones. So, so I, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to start telling people uh, I left Scientology. I escaped, you know, uh, the clutches of Tom Cruise and John Travolta, and now I'm, uh, you know, uh, uh, learning in the West Side Cobalt over there in the mornings. You know, I think that would be like a great hook. I think so. I think you, you probably get a lot more bookings for sure, for sure. Yeah, like – you know, like you could book me and Faye Zackheim and Rabbi Schaefer the Schmooze at your next uh, From Divorce Weekend. You know? <laughs> there you go. All right, Mike, th- I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I, I, I love hearing your story. We could talk on for hours, but Purim is coming, which I know is your busiest time of year. And, oh, uh, <laughs> 100%, uh, 100%. I spend all day recycling shelf manos. I have a, a recycle uh, bin in uh, my kitchen over here. It's uh, in one door and out the back door. You know, so. <laughs> you just got to be careful you don't give somebody the same shelf manos they gave you. Yeah, well, it's uh, yeah, that's true. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, you have to be alert for that. That's, uh, yeah. Right. Anyway, thank you so much for being on this show. I can't wait to. Hopefully, I'll see you. you ever come to Israel. You ever perform over oh, here? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if if the second I hear that a word gets out, that I'm about to be indicted. I have a a plane at <laughs> Peterborough uh, facing Tel Aviv, so it's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's ready. It's ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I actually uh, fly into to Jerusalem. I come a couple of times a year just to do grocery shopping. Uh, you know, go to you know, <laughs> get get, get, get some Agosi bars. Yeah, marzipan. I just fly in to get some marzipan. <laughs> yeah. Around and I have to drop a brick of American cheese off for my sister in Beit Shemesh because hey, your sister's in I'm in Beit Shemesh. Oh, she's in Ramat Beit Shemesh. I'm also in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Who's your sister? Adler. Which Adler? Alana Adobe Adler. Eh, sounds familiar. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, the, oh, so, so the next, oh, so you're going to be here. So next time you come, you, we're going to have to get coffee together or lunch. Oh, God, God willing, Amir Shem, I definitely uh, look forward to that. You know what? You come for lunch, and I'll let you pay for it. Could we put it on the calendar right now? You're coming when? Yeah, you know when you're coming in. No, absolutely no way. Well, no, we, she, she still she still has ketchup right now, so it's as long as they saw <laughs> behind ketchup, there's no need. I actually bought the. Uh, tickets to Israel. I have like twenty-two of them left to use. They had. Uh, remember when? LL oh had yeah. Yes, you bought. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, t- tickets were a dollar ninety-nine. Like on <laughs> they had the flub. I bought like twenty of them, and I felt like such a sucker because I saw on Dan's deals so you could get tickets for forty-nine cents. But uh, you stopped over in Kiev for like six weeks, so it's, uh, it was after time everything uh, right, but. Uh, I'm going to try and use up some uh, credit card points and uh, miles on my uh, Delta card over there to, to try and get there soon. So Awesome. So when you do, we're definitely going to get together. And uh, I thank you again so much for coming on the show. And it was really great hearing your story. Once a Nevada guy, always a Nevada guy. So technically we're brothers. And yeah. uh, I really appreciate hearing your story. And I look forward to uh, hearing more great things about you. And if people want to find out more or uh, look me up, MikeFineComedy.com, and I'm on the YouTube, the Facebook, the whole nine. So. You got it. I'll link to, I'll link to it uh, in, in the podcast notes. Beautiful. Have a Freilich Kampurim. Freilich Kampurim. Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliak.